This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. God is so good to us. Well, listen, I want to talk to you for just a few moments this morning about the power of a seed. The power of a seed. And uh, I really believe that the Lord's going to speak to you this morning. If you want to turn your, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, I want to read just a, a couple of verses this morning. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually read quite a bit of Scripture. I'm not going to be long today. I'm going to try to be out by 12 today. I, I've done real good with this the last couple of weeks. And God still moves. So I'm going <clears> to... <throat> Matthew chapter 13, starting with verse 24. Another parable he put before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not know, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will say to the reapers, First gather the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn." I want to talk with you about the power of a seed this morning. I looked up the definition of a tear just in Webster's Dictionary. It says a harmful weed that closely resembles a wheat until it's full grown. And I want to talk to you about seeds that get deposited into your life into your life while you're in church, into your life while you're singing on the praise team or teaching in children's church or leading a small group or whatever you do for the Lord, seeds that can be deposited while you're doing good things. And all of a sudden when it comes time to reap a harvest, all of a sudden the bad seeds show up. Right at that time when you think God is about to do something great, bam, where did this come from? I sowed good seed. Well, bad seeds are planted when we don't say spiritually alert. The Bible says, while men slept, an enemy came in. And I'm really, this is of course to everybody today, but I really want to Put a charge out to people that may feel that you have or spiritually mature just in some way today. Don't sleep on the job. You can't become so keen in the spirit that the enemy can't come in and plant a seed in your life. 
While men slept, the, the farmer had a well-cultivated field. No doubt he had people under him. He was very versed and, and knowledgeable in what he was doing. But while men slept, the enemy came in. Another thing that's interesting is bad seeds and good seeds grow up together. Early detection is a key. Because once a, a weed has rooted itself around the good plants, you often damage some of the good plants pulling it out. So early detection is a key to seeds being planted in your life. There are many families that have suffered strongholds because of bad seed. Generational curses. I'll give you two men that were born at the same time. This study was done about a hundred years ago. But it was a study about generational seeds. There was one man that was born. His name was Jonathan Edwards. Some of you may have heard of him before. He was very instrumental in our great awakenings. And uh, he was actually married to uh, uh, um, one of the uh, evangelists' sister of the great awakening. And I want to uh, just give you a list of things that came from, uh, from his lineage. George Whitfield, my mind just went blank. He was married to George Whitfield's sister. But out of Jonathan Edwards' line... We had one U.S. vice president, three senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, and 100 missionaries. Over a 200-year span of time, that's his lineage. That's the seed that he passed down. There was another man born in the same town at the same time. His name was Max Jukes. He was an alcoholic. He never turned to the Lord. <clears throat> and out of his line, there are seven murderers, 60 thieves, 50 prostitutes, 130 convicts, 310 paupers who combined spent 2,300 years in poorhouses, 400 that were wrecked by indulgent living, and 100 years ago when this study was conducted, for the past 200 years of that point, Max Jukes' family lineage had cost the state of New York almost a million and a half dollars in that time frame. I want you to think about how much money that would be today. So I want you to understand the power of seeds in your life. God has a destiny for each one of you. I don't care where you came from, where you think you're going. God has a destiny for you, but it's imperative that you keep your life free from bad seed. Just because you come into church on Sunday morning or Wednesday or, or what you listen to in your car going back and forth to work, just because you're having good seed deposited does not stop the enemy's assault from also trying to deposit bad or negative seed into your life. And I want to talk about three seeds this morning that I think are detrimental to the Christian walk and for the destiny that we have in the Lord. Three different seeds. The first seed I want to talk about this morning is the seed of doubt. The seed of doubt. 
The first family on the face of the earth became dysfunctional because of the seed of doubt. I want to read Genesis chapter 3 just for a second. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said to you, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate also. The seed of doubt. The enemy came into the first family on earth and planted a seed of doubt about what God had said and that family immediately becomes dysfunctional. You all know the rest of the story. And I want to let you know today that Satan is still in the business of planting doubt in the lives of God's children. The Lord wants you to recognize today that doubt is the exact opposite of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible. Somebody say impossible to please God. I find it interesting that, that the Bible doesn't say if you have a sin in your life, it's impossible to please God. No, because Jesus has created a way of escape from that. But without faith, in other words, when you have doubt in your life, it is impossible to please God. Well, Pastor, doubt about what? About anything that you need God to move in. God says he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is, he is the great I am. He is everything that we need. And it is imperative that you and I do not doubt in any way. James 1, 6 through 8 says this. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed in the wind. For let, for let not that man suppose mm, that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. The scripture says that when you doubt, don't expect to receive how much? Anything from the Lord. Don't expect to receive anything from God when you doubt. Because the Bible says you're double-minded and unstable, not in just what you're thinking about, but how many ways? All. When you begin to have doubt in your life, you become unstable in all of your ways. And I want you to recognize this morning that you and I need to begin to block out and pull out that seed of doubt. Uh, listen, I, rarely is there a week that goes by that the enemy doesn't try to place a seed of doubt of some kind in my life. Am I preaching to anybody today? I mean, let, let's face it, there, there are seeds of doubt planted about our jobs, about our marriage, about our children, about our future, about our retirement, about whether the church people like you or not. Come on, who am I preaching to this morning? But I'm saying there's a seed of doubt that gets planted. Satan knows exactly what to plant in your mind because his idea is to occupy your mind. He doesn't want to just have a little spot. He wants to occupy every piece of real estate in your mind that he is able to. And I want to tell you this morning that there is an antidote 
for doubt, and it's called the Word of God. When you begin to take the Word of God and you begin to apply it to your life and you begin to read the promises of God and when He promises healing to your body, when He promises restoration to your children, when He promises that He will begin to turn around what the devil has tried to destroy, when you begin to put that in your mind over and over, that's why that daily we should meditate on the Word of God is because that daily the enemy comes to plant a seed of doubt. But I want to tell you, if you'll take God's Word and you'll begin to apply it over and over and over in your life, doubt won't be able to take root. You can't. It's an old saying. It's not Scripture. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you sure can stop it from building a nest. I want to tell you, if you'll take God's Word and begin to apply it to your life on a daily basis, it's impossible for the seed of doubt to take root because I want to tell you the soil becomes too fertile. It's one thing I've learned about weeds. They like to come up in toxic soil. They like to, a weed will come up in the middle of a parking lot and bust up through concrete or asphalt somewhere. But yet, if you begin to cultivate the soil of your spirit with the word of God and keep that soil rich with God's word, it's impossible for the enemy to plant something in your life because you become regenerated with the power in the presence of Almighty God. Take the seed of doubt out of your life. Amos 9.14 says, I will restore the fortunes of my people and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink new wine and they shall make gardens and eat of their fruit. I want to tell you, God has a plan for everything the enemy has tried to do in your life. You know, all of us have something different to doubt about. Is there anybody that doesn't have anything to worry about during the week? If you raise your hand now, I'm going to give you a list that you can think on. But I want to tell you, the seed of doubt doesn't have to take root in your life. You need to begin to take God's Word and apply it to you. You see, you cover doubt as a lie. We know that doubt is a lie. The only way to cover a lie is with the truth. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shone through the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. I want to tell you, when you begin to apply the truth of God's Word to every doubt the enemy tries to place in your mind, it confuses the enemy because he can't comprehend the truth. He hasn't comprehended it for thousands of years, and he can't now. And if you begin to take God's Word, and apply it, it will be impossible for the seed of doubt to take root in your life. We need to take care of that seed of doubt this morning. Second seed I want to mention to you is the seed of anger. Somebody say, oh me. Thank you. That was good. Seed of anger. Moses is a prime example. In Exodus chapter 2, at 40 years old, he kills a man. Not because the guy did anything to him. He was just mad. 
He was just angry. And he spent a, started his life on the run. Seeds of anger can be life-altering. If we look down to Exodus 32, we see that Moses hasn't gotten anger under control. God actually carved out stone tablets. Some of you may have heard of them. They're called the Ten Commandments. He carved them out and he gave them personally, handed them to Moses. Moses comes down the mountain and the people are having a party. And it wasn't a church party. Moses gets mad. He takes the gift that God gave him, threw it on the ground and broke it into a zillion pieces. Now the Bible doesn't say it's a zillion pieces. That's my definition. But he broke it into pieces. When it came time for God to give Moses another set, God says, I tell you what, Moses, you get your hammer and you get your chisel, and uh, if you will go out and if you will chisel you out two more tablets, I'll write on them again for you. Now, I want to tell you, they didn't, they didn't have any jet cutters or anything like that back in that day. I don't know how long it took Moses to carve out two more stone tablets, but it was more than a day's work. A seed of anger can make your life difficult. Moses goes on down to Numbers chapter 20, dealing with the Israelites. They get thirsty. God says, no problem. Moses, if you'll speak to this rock right here, it's going to be real. Uh, Moses, I'm going to make it easy for you. If you'll speak to the rock, I'm going to let water flow from the rock. Moses said, no problem, God. Wham! He's angry. Takes a stick and smites, smokes the rock. The Bible says his anger for 40 years, Moses' anger never gets under control. And God says, Moses, because of this, you will never enter the promise. I tried to imagine what that must have been like for Moses to hear those words from the great I am. Moses, because of this anger, because of this anger, you will not enter into the promise that you've been working for. And I know oftentimes I preach, and it's preached, and it is so true that just because you haven't received the promise, believe, trust God, because he will still bring it to pass. And I want to tell you something, he will, but you are a big part of that equation. There are things that can be placed in your life and can be seated in your life that can keep you from ever experiencing God's best. I don't care how many preachers you can run around to every fancy evangelist that runs across the country and get them to lay their hands on your head, but unless you begin to get rid of bad seed in your life and do things God's way, the promises of God most likely won't ever be revealed in your life. Moses lives his entire life working for the promised land. But anger proves very costly to him because he never has dealt with the root of anger. Colossians 3, verse 8 and 12 and 13. But now you must put away all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, 
kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, as you also must forgive. Now I want to encourage you today that if you've got anger in your heart towards anybody, deal with that seed today. Because it's very possible that you will never experience God's best as long as there's anger. And, and listen, this is, not, this is not something you're going to deal with today and just be done with. Listen, just because I got angry last week, oh, I got this week coming. In a seed of anger, I like the way this verse lists this. It says, put away anger. Then he goes into wrath and malice and slander because that's how it operates. When you don't deal with anger, it turns into wrath. When somebody murders somebody because they're angry, it's done because their anger is turned into wrath. They are, they are just violently angry. And I want to just tell you today that God is saying to us, it's time to put away those things in your life. When you begin, that's the antidote for anger, is you begin to forgive one another. And I'm talking about on a daily basis. Think about how many times, how many of you are angered more than once a month? Help me somebody. How many of you angry ten times a day? Come on, somebody. Come on, be. We got a few. My, my wife raised her hand. That's just because she's married to me, so that doesn't count. But listen, if you and I don't learn to forgive, it doesn't matter what they did. God actually says, how do you expect me to forgive you? You haven't even seen me, he says. You don't, listen, you haven't even seen me in the flesh. But you walk around with your brother that you see every day or your sister that you see every day. You can't forgive them. We pray that prayer, our Father which art in heaven, how will it be thy name? It goes on down the list, it says, and forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I want to ask you today, how often do you forgive those who trespass against you? If we don't deal with that seed of anger in our life, it just grows and it begins to consume us in so many ways. You must deal with the seed of anger immediately. If you get mad this morning, deal with it before you leave. If you get mad at night, deal with it before you go to bed. Don't go to sleep with a seed of anger being planted in your life. Because that's exact. I want to tell you something. God didn't cause that anger. The enemy did. Because God operates out of forgiveness. Doubt, anger. This last seed I want to mention this morning is the seed of pride. Second Chronicles. Chapter 26, I'm going to read this. I want you to read this text with me. Verse 3, it says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. 
And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought God in those days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Now when he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jemnay, and the wall of Ashab, and he built cities around Ashad and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal, and against Menunites. Also, the Amorites brought tribute to Uzziah. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. Drop down to verse 15. And he made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men, to be on the towers and the corners and shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, but he was marvelously helped until he became strong. God helps Uzziah. Listen to verse 16. But when he was strong, when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Uzziah was one of the greatest kings listed in the Bible. And God allowed him to prosper in such a way that most men never experienced. But the Bible says after God had helped him get to where he was and he became strong, the Bible says that Uzziah decided he could do things his way. He knew the priests were the only ones that were supposed to go into the temple. But he said, you know what? I've become so popular, I can do this myself. And I want to tell you today that pride is a, is a dangerous seed, perhaps one of the most dangerous of all. It's a cancerous, lethal seed. It's brought down more kingdoms, ruined more marriages, destroyed churches. Pride is a terrible seed. The spirit of pride has to be an absolute king of all negative seed. Its destructive qualities can enter into our personalities and literally consume us in a short span of time. No one is safe or immune from the seed of pride being deposited into your life. Proverbs 16.5 says that pride is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Once pride starts to seep into someone's personality, it must be dealt with immediately. It will continue to grow and spread through your mind like a cancer. We see Uzziah goes into that temple, and he becomes a leper. His life is destroyed all because of pride, not because he had an affair, not because he didn't do his kids right. It was destroyed because of pride. And I want to tell you this morning, church, you can't allow pride to seep into your life. As a church, as we grow and as God does good things, I want to tell you, we can't become prideful over anything that God does because if God built it, God can... Take it down a notch. There is nothing that happens in this place that's good because of any man. Let me say that again this morning. There is nothing good that takes place in this house 
because of any man. The Bible says that the heart of man is continually wicked above all things. Who can even understand it? That, that includes from the pastor all the way to the back row with Clytus sitting back there against the wall. That the heart of man is an evil heart. But I want to tell you something. The presence of Almighty God when given room, when the presence of God is allowed to come into the place and begin to move among the people, and as the people begin to give all glory to the Lord, I, I want to tell you that's really where breakthrough begins to come in the body of believers. It's when you and I begin to take all glory, all praise, and all honor, and we say, God, it's all because of you. God, I couldn't have done anything without you, God. I couldn't have gotten out of the gutter I was in without you. God, it's not because of my ability. It's not because of my talent. God, it's because of your grace and your mercy that I am where I am today. And church, I want to tell you, it's still because of his grace and mercy. Once the seed of pride germinates in your life, it will make you immune to good counsel. Somebody needs to get this. Once pride begins to germinate, it'll make you immune to good counsel. The Bible says that 80 priests went to Uzziah and tried to convince him that what he was doing was wrong. And he didn't have leprosy yet. You see, God always gives us a way to repent and escape. And he basically told them to get out that he didn't need their advice, and he became a leper. When the seed of pride begins to germinate, you become immune to good counsel. Have you ever just known somebody, and you, maybe you're talking to your wife, and you say, you know, I just don't understand why they can't see this. Anybody ever made that comment? Because pride makes you immune to good counsel. And pride oftentimes keeps us from turning Listen, pride keeps people out of the altar. I've given altar calls so many times in my life, and I've known there's been some, maybe I was preaching on forgiveness. I've known there's somebody in the audience, and they had all against somebody, and it was just consuming them, and they refused to get up out of that seat and let God deal with that. And that's pride. And the Bible says that pride goes before destruction. What's the antidote for pride, Pastor? Never gaze or dwell on what you've done. Never. Never gaze or dwell on what you've done because it's God working through you that's allowed you to accomplish that thing. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourself under the hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I, I want to be exalted by God and not by man. Listen, man can't exalt you but so far. Man can't give you but so much. But when the great I am steps in and he begins to work in your life, man can't hold it back. Uh, a man can't do anything about it because God is moving Stay busy in the work of the Lord is another antidote for pride. Ecclesiastes 11.6 says this, Sow your seed in the morning, and in the evening do not rest or let your hands be idle. Can I tell you something that God never intended for us to sit back and just have a joy ride in Christianity? 
you need to be working in the field. Now, I hadn't intended on making a plug for servanthood right here, but I am. What are you doing for the Lord other than showing up? I know it's real quiet in here this morning. I know it's not the Holy Ghost sermon maybe you were thinking you were going to get, but I want to ask you, what are you doing for God other than showing up? I I ask myself the same question. what What am I doing for God other than what I'm being paid to do? This is my job, just like somebody works at a company or a plant. So I have to ask my, what am I doing for the Lord other than what I'm being paid to do? It's a personal evaluation. What are you doing for the Lord? Because if you don't work or serve God in any way, you become idle, and it makes it a very likely environment for seeds to be planted that shouldn't be there. You see, when I'm working for God and I'm seeing the, is anybody in here, your, your, maybe your dad or granddad was a farmer. My granddad was a farmer. He farmed anybody. We don't have, I guess, a few, a few. But my, my, my granddad farmed and, and, and he, he would just, he would enjoy seeing that crop come up. And even though he worked long hours, he, he, he enjoyed seeing that crop come up because he worked hard to produce it. And I want to tell you, if you're working hard for the kingdom, your eyes will be focused on seeing the fruit of your labor. When you begin to work hard for something, your eyes become focused. You're waiting to see the fruit of your labor. But if you're not working hard for something, your eyes will become idle. They'll begin to look here or there or other places. And as a church, it's important that we all stay busy for the kingdom. Well, pastor, nobody's ever been going to church 38 years and nobody's ever asked me to do anything. Have you ever went to somebody and says, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? And if you want to know the true antidote for pride, stay busy doing the things of the kingdom. Eric, if you'd come. Because when we begin to sleep spiritually, the enemy comes in. And it's not just for young people. How about our our senior adults this morning? Have Have any of you become lazy spiritually? I'm not talking about what you've seen. I'm talking about where are you at? Young people, where are you at this morning? Middle-aged adults, where are you at this morning? What, what are you doing for the Lord? Have you created an environment that's just right for seeds to be planted for, by the enemy in your life? Have you begun to sleep spiritually on the job? But I want to tell you this morning that it's not God's will that anybody in this place this morning Suffer with bad seed being planted into your life. God's desires for every good seed that's planted into you begin to grow and flourish for the betterment of His kingdom.
And this morning, I want to tell you, I think this message applies to almost every person. Listen, I, I know we like to talk about what the Holy Ghost is going to do, and we like to talk about all that stuff, but I want to tell you something. You can have all the Holy Ghost services you want if you don't deal with bad seed being deposited into your life. Your, your impact on the kingdom will only go so far. What we become is we become a church that all we know about is hooping and hollering and shouting, and, but yet we've got people that's got so much bad seed deposited and we never get the fullness of the harvest. We're, we're, we're in the fall of the year. We're in harvest season. And I want the fullness of the harvest. Where I hunt out in Kansas, they, there's cornfields, some of them are a thousand acres literally I mean they'll have a thousand acres in one field and it's so much harvest that they have a tractor trailer that drives beside the hopper and as the thing's cutting it's just pouring that corn right into that tractor trailer as they cut that's the kind of harvest I want to see I want, I want to see a harvest come from our work for the Lord here at Life Fellowship that just a little bucket or a little bushel won't contain. I want to see lost souls come in and be changed. I, I want to see sick bodies come in and be restored. I want to see addicts come in and be set free. I want to see people with depression and bipolar disorder set free. I mean really set free. I want to see marriages that struggle. And statistically, there, with this number of people, there's probably at least 10 marriages in here this morning that struggle. I want to see marriages restored. And while you can't keep the enemy from trying to deposit a seed, you do control whether or not they germinate. The environment has to be right for a seed to germinate. You take that seed out and just lay it somewhere in the hot sun on, 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 a, on the hood of your car, it's not going to germinate because the soil and the condition is not right. So every seed that germinates in your life, it's because you have created, it's personal responsibility right here, I'm sorry, but it's because you have created the environment for it to be there. You've created the environment for it to germinate. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I want to ask, is there anybody in this place you could say, I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. I, I need salvation this morning. I need to accept Him or I need to rededicate my life to Him. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way in front of everybody, but... I want to be able to pray for you. If you're in here this morning, you can say, Pastor, I need Jesus to save my soul. And I don't want to go another day without knowing that I'll spend eternity in heaven. If that's you, would you slip up your hand this morning? I'm not going to embarrass you. Wait just a moment, just a moment. Anybody? 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 I see one hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I see two hands. The Lord's moving on people. Anybody else? Wait just a moment. You know you need to accept Jesus. And this is what we're going to do. You can put those hands down. I want us to pray right where we are. I want everybody to pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father.
Lord, I come to you. And God, I'm a sinner. But today I recognize that you died for me. And that you rose again on the third day. And that you delivered me from sickness and sin. By the power of your blood. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my life and make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, I want to ask every person in this place, because I believe truly that this deals with every person, everybody that will, that will come to the front this morning and say, Pastor, I'm going to begin to deal with the seeds the enemy's trying to deposit into my life. If, if, if you'll come this morning, I want to pray for us as a corporate church this morning. Come on, don't wait on somebody else. Almost everybody in this place should be down here this morning because everybody the enemy tries to plant seeds in your life this morning. Pastor, I wanted you to lay hands on me this morning. I want to tell you this, I can't do nothing about the seeds that are in your life, but God can. I, I can't extract those seeds, but God can. But God can. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on in close. Come on in close. Hallelujah. 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 Now I want to tell you something that have, that have come and you're coming this morning. Expect to be tested this week. Just because you're doing things God's way don't mean that you're not going to be tested on doubt this week. Daniel was praying three times a day and all of a sudden he found himself being thrown into the lion's den. So don't expect you won't be tested this week on seeds being deposited into your life. But I want to tell you something this morning. I believe that God can give you, how many of you believe God can give you total victory? I mean total victory. I, I, I'm believing it for myself. We, we can leave here and it's not, I'm just talking about here, even when I pastored in Louisiana, I can leave church and have what I think is the grandest service that I've ever been in. People being touched. People may even tell me going out the door, Pastor, what a great service today. And I can get in the truck and go down the road in my truck and the enemy. He doesn't waste any time. Russell, it comes quick. He, man, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Listen, you and I have authority over the enemy. We have authority. The Bible says we should capture our thoughts. You have authority over your thought life. And this morning, I'm going to pray for you. Whatever, I believe everybody in here this morning, you almost know there's one seed the enemy always, see, there's one thing that he uses more than the others. He may use multiple things, but there's always one thing that he knows, boy, I, I get Lizzie with this one every time. Or I get Carrie with this one. Or I get Rochelle with this one every time. I want you to just bring that thing before the Lord and say, God, in the name of Jesus this morning, I'm giving this to you. And I thank you that I'm having deliverance from this seed being planted in my life this morning. In the name of Jesus. As they sing this song, I want you to just lift that up to the Lord. And I'm going to pray. Father, right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God. Lord, I thank you.
this morning. Anger must go this morning. Pride must go this morning. Thoughts of death, suicide must go this morning. Thoughts of poverty. I want to tell you, I just hear in my spirit, God said, I'm breaking the poverty spirit over somebody this morning. There are people in this house, there's a poverty spirit that you don't think you can get past a certain point. And God said, I am breaking that poverty spirit in your mind this morning. In the name of Jesus, I'm breaking that poverty spirit in Jesus' name. Just do it, God. Just do it, God. Just do it, God. Just do it, God. Hallelujah. 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 in here that came to the altar in particular this morning as you go to bed tonight I want you to pray this prayer say God I thank you that in the morning I'm going to wake up with a free mind a clear can, some of you can't imagine what I'm telling you some of you can't imagine what it would be like to wake up with a clear mind but I'm telling you through the power and the presence of almighty God I believe that tomorrow morning tomorrow morning you can wake up and every seed the enemy has tried to place in your mind that during the night God supernaturally taken the roundup of the Holy Spirit and every seed that's not from God is dried up at the root at the root in the name of Jesus amen Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 645 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphearst.org. Thank you, and God bless.